This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Payne.tv slash gold. All right, folks, we are back here at blog.digitalasset.com. Let's try to breeze through this so I can get into these other very important documents with you as we break down the RLN network. So it says here, implementing the RLN requires the ability to create and manage workflows across multiple organizations with clearly defined roles and permissions and the necessary supervisory oversight. Smart contract functionality would establish and enforce rules with rights that can be set at a granular level. Now, we went over briefly these smart contracts the other day. And this is why sometimes I stop and I explain that to you. We'll do a little more detail on that as well. These are all the major components that go into uh, creating all this stuff, this whole system that we are being driven into. Goes on to say, and with the right underlying technology, smart contract driven transactions can extend across organizations and incorporate additional asset classes while delivering significant benefits, including one, Ensuring the entire transaction completes if and only if every leg of the transaction is successful. This creates a streamlined, efficient settlement process that provides surety and completely eliminates counterparty risk. Number two, preserving privacy, even in transactions that span multiple platforms by restricting access to transaction data and status on need-to-know basis. Number three, providing extensibility to allow different organizations to participate and facilitate the development of new use cases that leverage the tokenized assets beyond the proposed levels of API integration. Folks, does does this sound uh, complicated to you? This is just so that you can go in the store and buy a loaf of bread. I mean, really, 99% of us interact at that level. All right, you get your money from your boss, and you go to the store, and you buy a loaf of bread. Well, guess what? Now, this is the system that you are going to live under. Also, these guys can have programmable money and be able to control what it is that you can buy and you can sell from our level all the way up to the manufacturer level. It says, to achieve these benefits, the underlying technology will need to be both interoperable and extensible, enabling a network of networks, a network of networks that only support today's requirements, but also is flexible enough to accommodate opportunities and connect participants that are yet to be identified. Finally, while the RLN can drive important uh, efficiencies and support industry innovation, the tokenized assets created will be commercial bank liabilities, leaving the owner to face the same depository risk that exists today. The 
introduction of central bank issued CBDC in combination with the RLN would create a quote best of both worlds end quote scenario as a liability of a central bank CBDC would remove that depository risk ultimately the parallel existence of the RLN and CBDC would give consumers greater transparency into the risk exposure of their assets whether held by a central bank or as part of the RLN. Now, if that does not sound confusing to you, folks, all right, then you must be one of the people helping build this system. Now, this document goes further into a path to implementation. It goes into the Regulated Liability Network and CBDC, which I'm going to read you. Now, we're going to skip the path to implementation now because there's some other documents that we are going to look at. But let's just take a look at the Regulated Liability Network and CBDC. It says, in summary, there are substantive attainable benefits to the Regulated Liability Network in both the short and medium terms. Since the liabilities in question are based on the existing legal framework, the creation of new assets is not required. Furthermore, the RLN addresses the problem of shrinking balance sheets for commercial banks, which hinders their ability to extend loans. And we'll get into that with Wide Awake Jim. Finally, the usage of new technology for RLN's underlying infrastructure allows for future capabilities like programmable money, increased transparency, and instant cross-organization and cross-border settlements. With a DAML-based implementation, the use of liabilities on the RLN can even be extended to improve the efficiency of other types of transactions, for example, the cash leg of a securities transaction, while providing uh, atomicity and privacy guarantees. All right. So now what we're going to do is we're going to look at this document here. And this is on the website r3.com. This is r like Robert, numerical3.com. Remember, when we were looking into the Bank for International Settlements, one of the partners was r 3 on Corda. And this is what we're going to look at here, folks, because this R3 on Corda, this is the regulated liability network on Corda. And it says here in this document written in January 2022, the ideas around CBDC design and architecture have developed rapidly over the past two years. The typical CBDC project is initiated by one or several central banks as they work their way through the design choices. One tool in this journey has been the R3 sandbox for digital currencies, which allows participants to experience the outcomes of different design choices. By contrast, the regulated uh, regulated liability network, the RLN, concept emerged from the regulated private sector in the summer of 2021. The team behind the initiative includes Citi, OCBC, Goldman Sachs, Bond Value, Bank of America, Bank of New York, Payoneer, PayPal, Wells Fargo, Settle, and Linklaters. And Settle is S-E-T-L. We're going to take a look at a document that they published uh, momentarily. All right, so this is who you have involved here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 
11 companies, right, that are building this RLN. And so they come up with this regulated private sector uh, merger here, sort of this merger, this little group in 2021, right, summer of 2021. And now, a year later, they're already testing it. Right now, they're testing it. That goes to show you how quickly they are moving with this. It says RLN tokens, issuance, and payments. The proposal is that regulated Regulated institutions, including central banks, commercial banks, and e-money providers, tokenize their liabilities. These liabilities have one common characteristic. They are promises to pay the customer on demand at par value in national currency units. This characteristic means that the token would work with, rather than replace, existing legal instruments. RLN tokens are simply novel representations of existing deposits. We go into more detail about this design proposal below. It says, the objective of this short piece is to consider how RLN tokens would work with the structure of the R3 sandbox for digital currencies. We first describe the proposed technical architecture of the RLN along with where it sits within the existing sandbox. We then look into the specifics of how issuance and payment operations would work were RLN tokens to be issued in a CORDA environment. All right, so then they go into this RLN architecture, which we will look at a little bit in a moment. We're going to go down here to figure one, okay? And this is issuers and their activities in an RLN core to framework. And sitting up at the top, you have a bubble, which is central bank liability sub-network. And you have issue, transfer, redeem. Below that are three bubbles. Commercial bank one liability sub-network, commercial bank two liability sub-network, and then e-money liabilities sub-network. And underneath those, you have issue, burn, transfer, right? So this is what I'm talking about. This stuff is very, very detailed, folks. And I'm not going to go through all of it because it's just too technical. Even the last you know, couple of segments here, it's getting to be too technical for you or I to really understand and grasp. We'd have to bring an expert on here to break this down. I just want to show you that this system is being built like this is very real there's thousands of pages and hundreds of companies working on this it goes into number two which is diversified token issuance right so this gets into um how these tokens are issued number three independent payment operations this is actually quite interesting so we will go through this momentarily then they have a figure which is uh, RTGS today versus with RLN, and it's basically the structure of how this money flows around. Number four, you have steps to building a new FMI. And then uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go from this document over to the Regulated Liability Network white paper on scalability and performance. And this is scaling RLN to 1 million TPS. And this is powered by Amazon Web Services. Amazon houses a lot of the CIA data. Okay, they have contracts with the United States government. So the company housing CIA data is also going to be helping run this new 
monetary system. Let's just go back here to the R3.com article, number two, diversified token issuance. It says the first shift in the typical CBDC model is that a greater variety of issuers will exist. In the current R3 sandbox for digital currencies, tokens are issued by central banks. This is a common way to model both wholesale and retail CBDC. In contrast, RLN tokens are issued by a variety of regulated institutions. These include not only central banks, but also commercial banks, e-money users, uh, e-money issuers, sorry. This could be extended one step further to stablecoin issuers once if they achieve the status of regulated liabilities. RLN diversifies the number of issues because it contains both central bank money, like a normal CBDC, and commercial bank money and e-money from regulated non-banks, right? So what they're doing now is they will have the CBDC currency that comes out of the central banks, and then they also want to be able to have these commercial banks and these regulated non-banks and possibly the stablecoin players that we got into the other day to be able to issue their own uh, tokens as well onto the system, their own form of currency. It says the reason that multiple issuers uh, is feasible in the existing sandbox framework is because the proposed RLN incorporates multiple uh, partitions, one for each regulated participant. Partitioning and programming refers to a logical division of a larger data set. In the same way, each RLN partition belongs to a different regulated entity, all of whom contribute to the global population of regulated liabilities. The liabilities of each participant are recorded in their partition, which is their own territory, as if they were recording liabilities on their own proprietary systems. RLN then makes these liabilities fungible across the network through settlement in central bank money. That is, the central bank partition serves to settle most liabilities in central bank tokens. Again, so the central bank now sits at the top, and it's going to settle most of these liabilities with central bank tokens with CBDC. CBDC. Wow. This is getting to be quite confusing. Are you understanding this? I mean, this is obvious. This is honestly the system that we're being driven into again they are testing this right now right here in the united states we know that the bank for international settlements just tested their cross-border solution in cooperation with consensus building this on top of ethereum folks it is coming the technocrats are moving at warp speed let's try to further dissect this when i get back my name is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the central bank my name is dustin gold you are listening to the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold folks is this not crazy though i mean for anyone who tells you that this is some sort of a joke or some sort of a conspiracy theory 
that CBDC is not coming. Of course, over the last, I'd say, 12 to 24 months, you've heard the talking heads on television, some of the talk radio hosts out there start talking about this, even though others have been mentioning this for probably 10 or 15 years. They're talking about it now because, and I'm going to be honest with you, and Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, would agree. They're talking about it because it's too late they're always allowed to talk about these things when it's too late you start to notice talking heads on tv saying that the mrna is uh passing from a mother's breast milk if she's vaccinated down through her breast milk to her child well people like mike moore at the thomas Paine podcast people like myself maria albanese we've been talking about that for over two years we were called conspiracy theorists kooks some people were banned off platforms monetization was turned off but now tucker carlson on fox news can talk about it why because it's too late it's too late the mainstream people will start attacking anthony fauci now why he retired with his pension because it's too late and so now they're starting to talk about cbdc the fact that it's coming the fed goes out there and they admit it jerome powell admits it and they're talking about it openly because it is too late and so we're going through this stuff now because we want to figure out exactly when it is coming so that we can try to best avoid it or figure out how we're going to work around it or live one foot in the system, one foot out of the system. But they're all talking about it because it's too late. It's too late. Once it gets out into the mainstream, it means that they were allowed to talk about it. Uh, but they'll never go into depth on this. They still talk about it as if it is something being discussed. Discussed? There's got to be, based on the stuff that Wide Awake Jim found, and Maria Albanese found, and I found, and then other people that Wide Awake Jim listens to, I don't. there's got to be hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people, working on this. I mean, there could be three crazy people. There could be a Rockefeller, a Rothschild, and a pick-your-own-Illuminati sitting in a room who are making the decisions at the top of the food chain, but beneath them, you have major uh, financial institutions. You have banks. You have... uh, central banks and everything else that are implementing this and then you have all these technology companies and then you have city and bank of america that have all their own technologists inside there all to build this system for what for what all the gobbledygook stuff i just read to you over the last two segments no It comes down to a system of total control, programmable money, that implements the 1920s technocracy plan of being able to have systematic control over the means of production and the distribution of goods and services. That's what this system is. That's what this system is. You talk about having a new world order government. I mean, how do you think this system is going to be managed? There's going to be nerds. There's going to be H-1B visa Indians sitting at little cubicles who are in real time checking transactions. No, this is going to be run off of artificial intelligence and algorithms. And it is going to limit your ability to buy and sell. 
It's going to limit where and when you can drive to certain locations. It's going to limit what you can own and what you have to rent. This is a total, complete digital slave system. And this will be the monetary system inside of the coming metaverse of which we've talked about extensively here on the dust and gold standard as well as on the outside in the physical world slave system that they are building all around us that we help them build when we install our amazon ring cameras when which they're using for facial recognition uh when we don't stop our local towns from putting up camera speed traps at every stoplight now we're helping build the system this is why elon musk is willing to go out on joe rogan show and say we are nodes in the system in every interaction we have with technology we are helping them build this ai hive mind helping them build this ai slave system so this is all very real that's what i always say it's all very real it's not fantasy now when i take this information and I try to boil it down into one or two sentences and try to explain it to someone like my father. You know, he says, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to I'll pull out my uh, gun. You know, if I pull up to the gas station and they won't let me pump gas because my Social Security CBDC doesn't work, I'll pull out my gun. I said, OK, you're going to pull out your gun on who? The automated AI robot teller? There won't be anybody there to stick up. The whole system is going to be run by these robots. I mean, yes, the humans that are left in this system are going to be able to possibly move around for a while. But when you pull up to the gas station and it doesn't let you pump gas because your CBDC says you're not allowed to put a full tank of gas in, it's going to be a robot. It's going to be artificial intelligence. There will be no one at the pump. I mean, right now, uh, short of the gas station's wanting to have a cashier inside the gas station to be able to stock the shelves with junk food and to be able to sell that to you they don't need anyone at the pumps you pull up to the pump and you use your card to pump your gas and we've seen across the united states they're already rolling out gas stations where there are no attendants everything runs like a vending machine so this is what's happening now again to me at least to me my opinion is it is inevitable the question is when is it coming what stages uh is this thing going to be rolled out in uh who's going to get hammered with this first as soon as you see them do this with the social security folks the welfare folks the food stamps the ebd cards uh, disability, all that kind of stuff. As soon as you see that happen, then they are basically, I would say, closing in within one or two years of rolling it out for the entire country. And then the next step in this is to be able to completely remove other forms of payment. So they'll want to be able uh, to get rid of cash. Cash would be the big one. And so they can orchestrate that through another pandemic and just say, you know, cash is dirty. Now, you can say, I'm keeping my cash. Well, 
the stores, all the mer- merchants from the big stores controlled by BlackRock down to the mom and pops, you know, they will just stop using cash right away if they're told to, just like they were told to make people wear masks in the grocery store. And then you may be sitting on cash at home. Like, let's say you squirreled away five, ten thousand uh, dollars in cash, or you've got a safe in your house, I don't know, with a hundred thousand dollars in cash. Well, if they come out, And they just say, you know, money's dirty and they run it like a gun buyback program. And they say, bring your cash down here. We are going to give you, let's say, uh, $1.25 of CBDC for every $1 of paper money you turn in. And you say, okay, I don't care. I'm not going to do that. And then they say, but by next Wednesday, if you don't do that, the cash is worth zero. Zero. So now there will be no merchant that is going to accept that cash as soon as the government announces on television that it is worth zero. So no merchant is going to take it anymore. And then what are you going to use it to pay your friend for a knitted hat they made you? And you go, hey, here's $10 of cash. They're going to sit there. It's like handing them some uh, paper or you know, you know, some seashell that was traded back in 1519. And you go, no, this is a seashell from 1519. Short of them wanting a collector's item uh, to put on their shelf or to sell on Facebook Marketplace, which probably won't exist at this point, uh, the cash is going to be worthless. That's how fast they can take the cash out of circulation. So the question that I'm trying to answer for myself is when is this coming into effect? What's going to be the first stage? Once we see the first stage unrolled on a mass scale, like with social security, then at what point is this system going to be rolled in uh, as the permanent system? When are you going to be paid through Venmo and Cash App or your boss, uh, your business you work for? Uh, when is that all going to switch to CBDC? And then are they going to have the programmable elements in place on day one? Am I only going to be able to buy crickets at the grocery store? Am I no longer going to be able to transact with the organic farmers and butchers that I work with? I want to know when this is happening. I hope you do too. I mean, I want to know when it's happening so that I can make my moves. You know, I need to be able to have something to trade. So if I talk to Farmer Carol and she is going to be accepting CBDC, because right now she accepts credit cards through Square, basically, like everybody does. But if I go to her farm and I want to get a box of tomatoes that I would normally give her $5 for, let's say she's very generous, she'll give me eight, nine plump organic tomatoes for $5, I would normally give her cash, right? Some people would give her a debit or credit card. She'll accept that. But if all of a sudden it's being switched over to CBDC and they say cash is now worthless, now I've got to pay her in CBDC but maybe it's programmed that I'm not allowed to buy that from her. So I need to be able to have, I don't know, like the bread I just made this morning, or I need to be able to have a bottle of whiskey to trade 
uh, for those tomatoes. I mean, this is what I'm trying to prepare for. And so to understand all this technology behind it, I mean, we talk about the technocracy. We talk about transhumanism. This is it alive and well. It may sound a bit boring, but it's not, folks. I mean, we don't want to just talk about technocracy and transhumanism just in theory. We need to get down inside of it and understand what the technologists, what the scientists, what the engineers are actually doing. That's what makes this all very real. This isn't just a bunch of white papers and a bunch of theories and a bunch of professorial idiots talking in a classroom. No, this is the real deal. There's got to be trillions of dollars going into the development, into the research, into the infrastructure on this stuff. I mean, there has to be trillions of dollars. Just like Wide Awake Jim started to show the hundreds of billions of dollars being spent on the future production, the drilling, the exporting, the importing of oil and gas, which proves that oil and gas are not going anywhere. When we're looking at these projects, there's got to be, I'm talking hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars, going into building the infrastructure and putting all the pieces together and forming the alliances between the current players under the current financial system and the future CBDC system run by the central bank. I mean, these documents take dozens upon dozens of people to develop i mean who knows how big these think tanks are but it's not like this is being done in secret it's being done right out in the open this is all open source intelligence that we're reviewing here these aren't secret documents that we went and stole from fort dietrich or something all right ladies and gentlemen when i get back we're going to get into the independent payment operations I'm going to show you a little bit more on RLN, and we're going to wrap that up because tomorrow we need to get into consensus, which is a key player in all of this. And then probably after consensus, we're going to put an end to talking about the CBDC as far as documents go, and then we're going to review the panel discussions. Uh, I thought it was important to really understand the basis of this stuff before we listen to the panel discussions, because then you're going to see the big players, the CEOs, the central bank talking openly about what's going on and we're going to be able to pick up some really good intelligence from them and having this basic understanding of what everything they're talking about is without having to stop every two minutes and explain that ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back i'll stop right now and when i get back i'll explain where i went this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. 